Moments like this, these last two football games, being able to do what we've done, energize a city, right? Energize a, a, a town, energize fans, uh, is only going to make us better moving forward. And that's the part that I'm excited about. No one, no one thought we should be here, and we just kept believing. And it was really cool, really cool to be a part of. And, and it was special. And like I said, just the beginning. You know, I, I go back to April, and I, I told the team in April, I said, expect to play playoff games on the road in Cincinnati, Buffalo, and Kansas City. You know, I think that was this this year, obviously, was huge for, for this organization, for our city, for just our franchise, you know, moving forward. And, and it kind of sets the bar of, of, of who, who we're going to be and, and what we're going to do moving forward. And and that's the mindset and, the, and we won't settle for less than that and this this won't be this won't be the last you guys hear of us so we'll be back this boy got a hit Ten Ten xl 92.5 fm presents jaguars today with your host mike dempsey tony smith and E to the T. All right, good morning, everybody. Yes, it's still the month of February. It did feel like the Jaguars took a step forward, though, in their off-season plans over the last few days. Hope you had a great weekend. I'm Mike Dempsey, joined by Tony Smith. They call him Fat Tony, including myself. Hello, Tony Smith. Good morning. How was your weekend? It was good. Anything exciting? Uh, Vandy got two out of three against UCLA this weekend in baseball. That was, Excellent. That was fun. I was Wait, I didn't want to spoil it for myself. Yeah. I, Till you told me yeah. how the Vandy UCLA series matchup uh, two top twenty teams in the country. Excellent. Took two out of three. Was that were those televised matchups? I watched it on ESPN Plus that's, or whatever. Oh, well, all yeah. right. Well, that's on televised enough. Yeah, that's televised enough you got for to me. See it. Yeah, I did. You're all good with that. So, uh, <laughs> ET, what about you, man? How's South Florida? Oh, South Florida was good, like it always is to me. Spent way more money than I wanted to, but hey, that's why I'm back here on the clock. Still steamy down there, right? Steamy in the mall. Yeah, how how were uh, the beverages this weekend? Free flowing, expensive. How are they? Oh, yeah. Just one round for me and one other person. Sixty dollars. Sixty dollars, yeah, man. With like, these doubles, what what no, are we talking? Not P- even Petrenacy? Oh, not even. Just a Hennessy and cranberry and a tequila. Sixty dollars. Sixty dollars. And then me being a nice guy, because my buddy, they're always paying for stuff. I'm like, you know what? Look, I got this one, bro. As soon as he said 60, I'm like, why the heck? We're all in the wrong business, man. (laughs) We're all in the wrong business. Seriously. Why do I even offer to buy it? We can get a bottle of tequila for 20 bucks, man. Right? Let's go make some drinks. We'll sell them for $5 a pop. I'm trying to tell you. We just need a locale. You know? How do you feel about. Open up your own barbershop where we could sell drinks. I, I love that idea. It's not bad, right? We could broadcast from there. Oh, I love that thing. idea. We'd never leave. <laughs> We'd never leave. All right, hope all of you had a good weekend. I was pretty chill this weekend, man. Really didn't do a whole lot. Uh, but did notice that the Jags were doing a whole lot this weekend, uh, both in restructuring yeah. Foyer Lewican's contract, which is going to free up a massive amount of cap space. That's over $10 bucks on that deal alone, Tony. And the understanding is they, they convert the salary to a signing bonus. They add some dummy years on the back so they can stretch out that signing bonus over multiple years and take that number way down. 
he's not going anywhere. He's also, I don't think, any likelier to be here longer than his original three-year deal, but he's now here with a more manageable cap number. And look, they said it all along. Um, they've been pretty straightforward about this. We can create the cap space. It's all about cash. They've got an owner who's never been afraid to spend cash. Absolutely. And look, the work really officially began this weekend with the deals that they got done over the course of the weekend. And you talk about freeing up essentially $10 million. We'll see what the exact number is when the details come out on the Alucan deal. Um, how much they... They say a little over $10 million. Yeah. So that's essentially Calvin Ridley, right? Basically, that's, yes. like That's basically Calvin Ridley, the basically. Calvin Ridley money in that move with can getting the restructure there on his contract. And obviously, that's not all they got done this weekend. They still got work to do, right? They haven't released Shaq Griffin yet, and that's what that's one that everyone expects we to happen. We anticipate it, right? That'll probably happen, yeah. it feels like, closer to the start of free agency uh, at this point from the football team because there's, I mean, there's no point in doing it now necessarily. So I guess. I yeah. mean, you know, unless, you know, it gives them a chance to maybe hook on with somebody else. but Maybe. I, I can't imagine. But you don't get to use the space till free agency opens anyway. Correct. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes you do that as a way to let the other guys that are going to be staying here know, hey, we're going to take care of you. We're not out to yeah. to screw you. If, if we reach a point where it's not going to work between us, we're not here to vengefully, you know, withhold you from making money out there necessarily. Uh, look, I think the if there was a – True benefit to the Jags holding back on doing that deal, then fine, do it. I, I don't, I can't anticipate that Shaq Griffin is here under almost any circumstance no. this year. But uh, we don't know how much money the Jags cleared up with the contract extensions for Roy Robertson Harris. Jermichael Hasty wouldn't be clearing up because you're at, he was a restricted free agent, so he wasn't counting against your cap. But being restricted, it's not going to make a ton of money. And honestly, it makes me wonder if. You know, I've seen people's reaction already this morning because we're asking you the Chad and Sandy real estate question of the day. How do you react to particularly the contract extensions? Nobody's going to have a negative reaction to Foye Luke and restructuring his deal. Mm -hmm. We don't have to pay him that money up front. So good for him for getting the money up front. Makes it easier on the Jags. Makes it easier for him because he gets the money in hand. Uh, so there's really no reason to not be happy about that. I'm not saying you wouldn't be happy about uh, Roy Robertson Harris or Jamichael Hasty. Just curious to, as to how you do feel. We don't know the exact numbers on what that's going to do to that salary cap hit for this year, but I got to believe you've saved probably a decent chunk on the Roy Robertson Harris deal. And I think the Jamichael Hasty signing tone could just be an indication that they're pretty content with what they had in the backfield last year. It's not a team that's going to run the ball 35 times a game between all their running backs. So. You know, there are plenty of games where Travis Etienne's not going to get 20 carries. You don't need to necessarily give Jermichael Hasty a bunch of carries off the bench. He's a good pass catcher. You do have Snoop Connor, who you invested a fifth-round pick in. Don't know how they feel about him, but wouldn't surprise me if they don't spend a draft pick at all on the running back position with no. Hasty back in the fold. Uh, bringing Hasty back in that they don't spend a draft pick or sign another one, like it wouldn't surprise me at this point. I, I'm not saying that they couldn't. Obviously, if they still want to do something like that, bring in another veteran back. If they wanted to spend another late-round pick this year on a running back and basically say, you know what, the Connor thing, not going to work, 
right? Like, just it's not going to work, so maybe they do it again in the fifth, sixth, seventh round. Wouldn't stun me if they decided to go no. that direction. But that's all that would be is replacing a pick right. that they've had in the building for a year now and saying, oh, this probably isn't going to work out. Need to take another look at what we're doing at this spot. I got to tell you, being that it is Monday, I went through and collected an assortment of mock drafts from the weekend so we could take yep. a look at them. And my heart got all a flutter for a moment when, as I was scrolling down to the 24th pick, running back, <laughs> Bijan Robinson out of Texas. Only problem was the Jaguars had traded the pick in this mock draft to the Buffalo Bills so they could move up three spots. Mm. And uh, we, we went from 121 to 91 on the back end. So one of those fourth-round picks that they have two of uh, moving up into the third round. And fortunately, that's a three-round mock, so at least we get to see what the Jags did with the added draft capital, but it wasn't Bijan Robinson. But I was like, "Really? Is somebody going to do this?" Got me all excited there for a second, <laughs> but uh, wasn't the case. So it is interesting seeing in, in some of these now multiple round mock drafts that we get. I see the Jags getting connected with a variety of players. We all know if you're looking at the mocks, we know the positions that they've been looking at. We've been talking about them for a few weeks, but uh, certain players within those positions oftentimes get mocked to the Jags, like Michael Mayer at 24th. They're looking at tight end, right? Mm -hmm. He'd be mocked to anybody who needs a tight end. Um, Deontay Banks, corner out of Maryland. I see him mocked to the Jags. I see him off the board before the Jags. I've seen him fall uh, to the Jags' second pick in the box. Bottom line is nobody really knows what's going to happen. Yeah. But uh, we do have the NFL scouting combine uh, going down, opening up this week. And uh, Anthony Richardson and C.J. Stroud, at least, are supposed to do everything there, which if I'm Richardson, why wouldn't I, right? That's what you are, man. You're an athletic marvel. Right, like go, go to be a an athletic space marvel. like that that's as controlled as it can be and show what kind of athlete you are. Right, uh, go show what kind of athlete you are, what kind of just the pure throwing ability yeah. that you possess. Think of it, it's, it's there on tape. You see the special throws that Anthony Richardson makes. He has a ridiculous arm and the question is does he have the down in down out consistency for the national football league level you know people point to hey josh allen had a poor completion percentage yeah josh allen's also the exception to the rule yeah. of a guy that that did that and came into the league and significantly improved his accuracy yeah. in his first few years now i with josh allen i can still remember watching his combine workout Right, like I can remember being in front of the TV when it was time for Josh Allen to throw, and you know the you, Daniel Jeremiah and those guys on TV saying, "No, he's about to put on a show." Right, and watch what's about to happen here. And so you're watching these other guys that are going to play in the league, right? Throwing the ball around, and then it's you know the deep ball with Josh Allen. It was like he's just showing off. Yeah, he's throwing the ball 75 yards effortlessly. pretty effortlessly. Like it's just unbelievable to watch that kind of talent on display. Again, the tape's going to say what the tape's going to say about Richardson, and we'll see where he's going to wind up going in the NFL draft. And the projections are going to be all over the place. You know, it's I don't think the occasional projection with him going number one overall is going away. And I don't think the ones that have him falling into the second round of the draft are going away either. I think everyone has their different opinions. We talked to Tony Pauline a couple weeks ago. He gave his opinion on what he would do with Anthony Richardson, which was round three of the NFL draft. I don't think that was an answer to what's the league going to evaluate 
with Anthony Richardson and where's he going to wind up in the draft? That was, what's your take on AR? And his take was round three. And I think there's going to be plenty of NFL teams that have that kind of grade on him too, but there's going to be enough that have a round one grade and enough teams that need a quarterback that I think he's going to wind up somewhere in the first round. Yeah, I look, the upside is all pro. Yeah. Right? And so, you know, the downside is, well, we missed on another quarterback in the first round. You miss on guys without that kind of high ceiling all the time. At least not the Anthony Richardson ceiling. I have no doubt he's going in the first round. And based on the way – Things are going right now. He's almost a lock to go in the top 10, maybe the top five, possibly number one overall. Mm -hmm. uh, you're starting to see more pundits put him in that position. My question is, why? R like right now, why is he climbing when you haven't had the combine? You haven't been around all those decision makers. There hasn't been this collective buzz because they haven't been together talking on and off the record to the media that... Anthony Richardson's tape hasn't changed. No. He hasn't worked out. All that you've seen is he's going to wow people at the combine, which is what we thought all along about Anthony Richardson. He's going to wow people at the combine. Glad it's somebody else's issue to deal with, <laughs> quite frankly. But I'll be honest with you. You know, I don't know which of these quarterbacks I want coming to the AFC South. It's not like I'm worried that we're going to have a quarterback that needs to take a backseat to anybody, but I want Indy and Houston and Tennessee to suffer as much as possible. And the easier the Jags path to wrapping up a division title every year, uh, the easier uh, they're going to put themselves in position to really contend for a title, especially if they're able to pile up victories in the AFC South and maybe contend for that rare lone buy in the conference or at least get more uh, potential home playoff games. That, that's still a ways off, but the Jags did make those three major moves over the weekend, restructuring with Foyer Lewican and then signing contract extensions with Roy Robertson, Harrison, Jermichael Hasty. So your chat and Sandy real estate question of the day this morning is about the latter two. What is your reaction to the Jags agreeing contract extensions with Roy Robertson, Harris, and Jermichael Hasty? Give us your thoughts today on Twitter at MD underscore 1010XL, at 1010XL Fat Tony, and at IME2, the T. Come on, somebody. And, of course, 641-1010 on the phone lines or the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures, wrapping up the month of February over the next couple of days. Combine getting ready to open up, starting to get some off-season movement for the Jags. It is a good time to be a Jacksonville Jaguar fan. You're listening to Jaguars today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Money, 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 money. <laughs> NFL. Jaguars today on 1010XL. All right, um... I don't know if we were restricted or not, but uh, I would like to announce that we'll be back for the rest of the week here on Jaguars today. At a minimum, I don't, I don't think that's anything new. I don't think that's an update, but I feel pretty confident we're going to make it through the end of the, the month and then the beginning of March. I think so, too. Although I am angling to take Friday off. Okay. You can play that up any way you like. All right. You know. Didn't quite make it. <laughs> he was so confident. He was so confident on Monday. No, uh, look, Tony and I were just talking about this on the break. We've spent all this time after the season going, okay, they could do this. They could restructure Roy Robertson-Harris. They could cut Roy Robertson-Harris. They could do nothing with Roy Robertson-Harris. What's the cap impact on all this stuff? What are the resources? You know, And one of the reasons I questioned the outright cutting of Roy Robertson-Harris is, okay, that's fine, but you got to find somebody to replace him. Yeah. And they obviously liked the way he played at the end of the year. 
And that's the best time to play well, Tone, apparently. <laughs> right? I mean, seriously, right? Doesn't hurt. Yeah. End with a flourish as opposed to begin with a flourish and fade. But I think it all goes back to, you know, we sit here and go, all right, well, when are they going to do this? When are they going to do that? And when they do that, will they have enough money left over for this? They've got a plan that's laid out. may not be the plan you or I would do because we don't know what the whole plan entails. We know what entailed restructuring Luican and re-signing Robertson, Harrison, Hasty, uh, extending, in the case of Robertson, Harrison, bringing back Hasty as a restricted free agent to be your backup to Travis Etienne. You liked what you got out of him last year. You want to continue to see more, but it's more about, I think, getting their ducks in a row, Tony. Like, what's the likelihood that we have to use the franchise tag on Evan Ingram as opposed to getting a long-term deal worked out? Mm-hmm. They know that a lot better than we do. Yeah. We have no idea how far along things may have progressed there. But they know that if they get to, what is it, the 7th of March? Uh, is it 7th or 11th? That's the franchise tag I think deadline. It's 7th? I think it is. It, very early in March, right? That they've got to have it settled one way or the other. Well, it's not like this is sneaking up on them. We've known about it. We've talked about it. Jaguar fans who care about the numbers and making the salary cap work and and following that kind of stuff in the offseason. All that information's out there and available to you. So it's not like Trent Baalke and company are going to get caught unaware. I'm sure they've got a big board of here are all the moves we're going to make to end up where we want to end up, which was adding talent to this roster without losing much, if any, of the talent we had last year, Juwan Taylor being the big question mark. And how do we get there? Well, How much money are we over the cap? How much are we going to need? We know we need to create X amount of cap space. And so I just feel like now I would expect more moves to come pretty quickly. Like we talked about the Shaq Griffin deal. Could they wait until the opening of free agency? Sure. But prior to the beginning of free agency, hard to believe Shaq Griffin's going to continue to be a member of this team when you can save as much against the salary cap as you can by letting him go. But they know what all these moves are right now. So, like, the converting Oluokin to basically a signing bonus, no player should ever balk at something like that. No. You're getting the cash right now. Yeah. That's your money. Make it work for you instead of having to wait for it over the course of the season. So, those kind of moves, there's not going to be any resistance, really, to doing any of that kind of stuff. Now it just becomes a matter of what's the timetable and which they just go out and execute these things. No, look, they obviously have a plan in place, and it started to be pulled off over the weekend, right? Like, it just began, and we'll see what that looks like as far as the franchise tag or whatever's going to happen with Jawan Taylor and Evan Ingram and what they decide to do with a guy like Arden Key, which we've talked about a bunch. Uh, They got about a week to figure out what to do with the tag, Right, if that's going to wind up happening. Right. Um, so they got another week to figure that kind of thing out. And whether or not they can get an extension done with Evan Ingram um, or Jawan Taylor before that date, although we've discussed the tag with Jawan Taylor, I'd be really frustrated if they went that direction with Jawan Taylor um, to any degree. But do they wind up having to use the tag on a guy like Evan Ingram? I think that's really the only option out there. Uh, for them this year if they aren't able to get the long-term deal done. But they have made moves over the weekend that at least puts them in a position where they have more flexibility to do those kinds of things. And, look, we'll see what it looks like in the end. We did. We talked about Roy Robertson-Harris on Friday. 
right? Sure. In reaction to the We're PFF about article. It a lot. Yeah, the PFF article saying extend Roy Robertson Harrison. We were like, that's an interesting idea. Okay, what would that look like? Right? Like, how much money would that actually save the team if they decided to go that direction? And we discussed what exactly, how do, does the team view Roy Robertson Harris in that last month? Right? Was that, okay, that's the guy that we think he is and was dealing with whatever limited injuries he was dealing with through the year that kept him from being that guy right. until he was that guy for the final month of the season. So are we going to pay him beyond this year or cut him or make the kind of decisions we were talking about? Well, they answered the question, right? Like, how do they feel about Roy Robertson Harris? Good enough to bring him back on an extension, right? It's not just come back for that last year. It's come back. We'll give you the three-year deal. It's going to lower the number for next year. We'll see how long of how many of those three years you're actually here, ultimately, if you're Roy Robertson Harris. But at least it's worth bringing him back and not opening another hole along that defensive line. Well, now we have to go find another three-four defensive end right. that can have the flexibility to go inside if we need him to on occasion, which Roy Robertson Harris gives you and played at a really high level for the last month of the year. Right. How many of those guys are available in free agency that are as good as Roy Robertson Harris? And if there are any, what are they looking for? Right. You know this guy's a fit, you know, culturally, whatever you want to say in your locker room. Uh got along with his teammates, seems to like playing here all those other things, and then you don't have to expend draft capital on the position is a big thing as well. You know, we should mention, or I should mention, C.J. Beathard also getting his deal yeah. last week. The, you know, these little ones, though, like um, Hasty and Beathard, these are added costs to that salary cap number that we've been talking about. Like, yeah. Roy Robertson-Harris has already been factored in. His number's going to go down. We know Lewicans should go down over $10 million, uh, but... Those other guys were free agents, so they were not factored in to the projection of where the salary cap stood. So we don't have the exact numbers on what the cap hit will be for Hasty and Beathard this year, but I think it's clearly evident that there are certain aspects of this team they think are, are good enough. They're not mm-hmm. going to overspend. Like, is Hasty? He certainly played well enough to be your backup running back last year. We'll see what happens if Travis Etienne were to miss an extended period of time. Let's hope that doesn't come to pass. But these are more about guys that fit, fit with the culture. You know what to expect from them. They're not looking to break the bank. And let's not create a bunch of new holes where there weren't any before because you've got holes that have created themselves, right? Just, you know, whether it's at right tackle or wherever, at cornerback, that mm-hmm. you're going to have to deal with with some of the resources uh, that – you know, are, are pretty scarce, like those early round draft picks. Yeah, and I think the broader point that you were making there at the beginning of the segment, it, the Jags aren't going to be caught with their pants down on whatever the plan's going to be. No, they're not going to go, oh, damn, we don't have enough to franchise. Right. Who now? What? Right, like they're not going to in a week be like, well, how do we have the money for that? Like this is part of the plan, right? It was we're going to do these moves early on while we can do them. We're st- I'm, still, I'm sure they're still having negotiations with Evan Ingram's guys and trying to figure out exactly what that's going to look like. And, yeah, there's a timetable on it because they only have about a week more to use the franchise tag if that's the direction they're going to have to go with Evan Ingram ultimately. But they, they're they not going to do any of this without knowing what the plan is going to be. We were all very unsure about what any of the plan looked like beyond cutting 
Jack Griffin at some point, right? right? Like, that's the one that everyone can point to and go, they're going to do that. Right. We knew Roy Robertson's contract was one you could squeeze some money out of, some yeah. cap space out of, but you didn't know if they'd go to the drastic step of saying thanks for your service, but we got to move on entirely. Yeah. And clearly that's not the case. It was just unclear which direction they'd go with it. Now we know right. that they like him enough that they were going to do an extension with Roy Robertson-Harris. That's the direction they chose to go with it. We'll see how much money you know that saves them whenever the details on that contract get announced. But they're not going to be in two weeks, and they're going. Well, how can we even afford to bring back or like? It's they, all mapped. They out. have the idea it's of what that's going to look like, right? Yeah. And it, then it becomes a question of well, you know, as you talk to Arden Key or to Evan Ingram, uh, and you're trying to gauge, hey, what would it take to get you to sign a long-term deal? What's the range of outcomes? Well, the worst range. I would imagine is that Evan Ingram's franchise and you have to take that full 11.4 million, whatever it is, mm-hmm. roughly in that neighborhood cap hit all this year. Uh, the best case scenario is you do work out a multi-year extension that lets you decide what you want that first year number to be, or at least manage it a little bit more easily. So I think there's probably contingencies like this is the ideal. We get Evan Ingram on a three or four year deal. We get key on a two to four year deal, whatever that happens to be. If we're able to get him back, you know, I, I don't know where Jawan Taylor would fit in, honestly, in the ideal scenario, unless he would be open to something like you talked about, like, Hey, here's the number we're willing to, to do. If you want to get this done before free agency, but you're, you're weeks away from finding out what your open yeah. market value is. If you're Jawan Taylor. And if the Jags put that on the table, I doubt three days into free agency, they would pull it off the table. You know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah. get the sense that they're going to go out there and find another right tackle to replace Jawan Taylor. It's either going to be Jawan Taylor coming back or it's going to be an in-house answer with Walker Little taking the next step up. Yeah, absolutely. And then you got to figure out, as we've talked about, what are you going to do at swing tackle at that point? And that's okay. You know, if you have to go sign a veteran that can kind of fill that role for you in free agency, okay. Uh, you can find the money to do that kind of thing. If you wind up wanting to take care of that in the draft, that's that's fine too. But you got three starting caliber tackles on your football team. It's not that you want to let one walk, but it's you can't overpay for one of those, like you're already, I feel like overpaying for Cam Robinson. Mm-hmm. I do. You're already overpaying for Cam Robinson to be your left tackle. I, I can't imagine them putting themselves in a position where they're overpaying for both tackles on this football team. But like I, I was wrong I about the Cam Robinson thing. I could be just way off on the Jawan yeah, Taylor the, thing. The Ro- the Robinson thing came in a time when there was so much cap space to play with. Sure, you know, and again, uh, it, it's. The possi- I think it's an unlikely possibility, but the possibility still exists that maybe they transfer that cam money to Jawan Taylor if they're able to find a trade partner. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're actively seeking a partner. I wonder on their list of options, like if that if you could get whatever the compensation they're looking for, would that be the preferred option? Or do they think that, you know, are we underselling Cam Robinson, that they think their their confidence level in him is higher than maybe the rest of Ours is. I'm not saying Cam's a bad guy. And if they had to go to bat with a healthy Cam Robinson, so be it. Yeah. Right? But I wonder where that falls, if it even is on their list of contingencies. Like, hey, can we move him? Because like, I'm like you. I can't imagine taking on 12 to $18 million at right tackle when you're paying that contract at left, plus you're paying what you're paying to Brandon Sheriff at right guard on top of that. Mm-hmm. So, um, unlikely that they go that direction. But at least – 
Uh, they've got a direction now, and they're showing you that they've got a plan. And, uh, hey, look, we, we kind of knew the plan would be there. It's just when you first start to see those steps come to fruition and you see them in rapid-fire fashion, it looks like they've got an idea lined up. And, and to me, and maybe I'm wrong, but I kind of feel like this gives me a sense that whatever – I don't know what this signals, but they know where things are headed with Evan Ingram. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think it was imperative – that you had to renegotiate Foyer Lulikin's deal this offseason. It was an option to create cap space, mm-hmm. but you didn't. there were plenty of scenarios where you didn't have to go down that road and you could still get under the cap. But uh, the fact that that was a big, big chunk, uh, we'll see if – I mean, before you know it, we'll look up by the end of the week, Jags will be under the salary cap, and, you know, they'll go, well, that's kind of what we told you. Yeah. Cap's not the concern <laughs> here. It's how much cash you have on hand to pay these players up front uh, that's becoming uh, the difference. I, I think it was, man, it might have been NFL.com. No, it might have been Bill Barnwell. I'm not sure who it was. might have been Barnwell at ESPN. I uh, was talking about things that every team should do this offseason, and the Jags, it was franchise Evan Ingram because he said it would be foolish or silly to give him a long-term deal. Like I, I think it would be foolish not to consider it mm-hmm. at least. Like uh, Other than health. Uh, Evan Ingram, that that's really the only question for me. He checked every single box, and he checked that one as well this year. That had just been a question early in his career. So uh, I think the Jags would be fully on board as long as the money makes sense to keeping him here for the long term. So if you want to weigh in on any of that, Roy Robertson-Harris, uh, C.J. Beathard, Jamichael Hasty, all get contract extensions or renewals, as the case may be. Foye Oluwakin helping the Jags open up over $10 million in cap space as well. 641-1010, the easiest way to do that. Uh, coming up next, Mock Draft Monday, I've got a selection of five that we'll take a look at. Tony, you tell me which is your favorite um, in terms of what the Jags end up with, at least in the first round, based on what we know now and what we expect to get done. Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, and ET, you're listening to Jaguars today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Jaguars today on 1010XL. Here we go on the uh, text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. I've translated and figured out what they meant here, Tony. Um, <laughs> sometimes, you know, you get some, I, I always get caught on the voice to text. I try to voice to text, you know, as much as I can. I would never text from behind the wheel of my car, but if I were, <laughs> voice to text would be a little bit safer. Anyway, uh-huh. they're, they're not always perfect. Let's just say that. Um, typing out what you intend to say. But he said, would you believe there'd be interest in a Cam Robinson-Evan Ingram trade for Kyle Pitts? You have to have serious weapons to compete in the AFC in the future. Uh, I can't speak from Atlanta's standpoint, but A, you can't trade Evan Ingram unless he has signed an extension. If he's under the franchise tag, you can't trade him. Um, you're, You're not supposed to franchise him for the sole purpose of trading him. Now, can you get around that? Probably so. I think they want Evan Ingram back mm-hmm. here in Jacksonville. And I think if you look at right now, Kyle Pitts is less expensive. Um, Kyle Pitts is still, I mean, Kyle Pitts is what now, 22 years old? Something like that, yeah. I mean, he's played two full seasons in the National Football League. Do I love his potential, his athleticism, all that? Do I think he has a higher ceiling than Evan Ingram? And nearly any tight end in the league, yes, I do. But... I mean, I, I guess in this scenario, you're offloading salary, 
right? So, yeah, would I do this with the idea that you could save the salary cap space? Because I'm the one who says, hey, if I could get whatever for Cam Robinson and apply that money to Juwan Taylor, that would be the caveat. Am I keeping Juwan Taylor? Because mm-hmm. I'm not giving up Robinson and trading from Ingram to Pitts, even if I feel that's an upgrade right now, and leaving myself with one viable starting tackle that I feel really comfortable with, and that guy still hasn't started very many games in the National Football League under that scenario would be Walker Little. So, yeah, if I could, would I be open to doing something like that? Uh, Yeah, I think I might uh, because I do think ultimately Kyle Pitts is going to be more valuable than Evan Ingram, right? And the idea would be you could have him grow with Trevor Lawrence, and that could be your Mahomes-Kelsey here for a long time, whereas Ingram, maybe it's three more years, whatever, which is not a short time in the NFL, uh, but, you know, he'll be on the wrong side of 30 way before Kyle Pitts is, and that's just the way it goes. So, uh, you know, a lot of these are kind of fantasy land, but that's what we play in at this time of the offseason. Yeah, looking at the uh, Bill Barnwell talking about they ought to franchise tag. Right. Evan Ingram, if you go through and look at the write-up that he did, at the end of it, he says, talking about Ingram, if he can emerge as a trusted receiver for Lawrence amid competition – from receivers Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, and Calvin Ridley, he should earn a more significant extension next offseason. I mean, you mean like he just did? Right. That's what he's saying. He's saying, make him prove it to you again. Right. He's saying, franchise him, make him prove it to you again. And I I do understand that to some degree. And I get the addition of Calvin Ridley being thrown in there, too, and what that's going to mean for how any of the offense gets divvied up for the receivers in this Jaguars passing game, right? Like, somebody's going to lose looks. Somebody will with Calvin Ridley coming in because he's not just going to directly replace Marvin Jones in the offense, right? Like he's going to be above Marvin Jones as far as his role in the offense. So who's losing what? I don't know what exactly the answer to that is, but Evan Ingram already emerged in this offense last year with the other guys that you mentioned right there. He's still, I don't think it's like, to me, I feel like he's underselling what he did a little bit. But at the same time, if the Jags said, look, here's our number. And we'd like to have Evan back. And I think it's pretty clear from both sides that sure. they'd like to be back. But Evan Ingram wants to maximize his value right now. Uh, and you can't blame him. That's why he took the one-year deal exactly last year. Exactly right. He bet on himself. Yeah. The bet paid off. He played great. He fit in great. He showed leadership. He showed passion for this team, this organization, this fan base. Those are added value things that I love and make me happy. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to be that guy, right? You can be a quiet-to-yourself guy who gets his job done on Sunday afternoon. But if you are that guy who's kind of vocal, doesn't mind speaking up for your teammates, doesn't mind being a bit of a lightning rod, you know, like whatever, um, I think those can be very solid, positive things. I'm not – I don't know how you monetize that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I don't know how you put an actual value on that. But if you're deciding between this guy who you know fits and this guy who you're not sure is going to fit – Give me the guy. I'll pay the guy who I know fits a little bit more than I'll pay the other guy because I don't have to worry about any of that other stuff. And I think there is a value to peace of mind that comes with that kind of situation. But, yeah, I I, sure. I just thought it was a little interesting. I thought he was uh, a little bit on the downside uh, there. On, But at the same time, could I see the Jags if, if they can't? It, like, here's our number. It's not going to work out. We're going to franchise tag you. We're going to go out and draft the tight end early. And – you know, in some ways, like, okay, 
We're pushing the chips in because Trevor's uh, guaranteed to be on his rookie deal this year. We may get an extension done next offseason with him. That's going to change the calculus. And all of a sudden, that tight end you drafted in round one is now your frontline player at the position you're paying him. Probably less over the course of the length of four years than you would be another year of Evan Ingram mm -hmm. coming back to Jacksonville. Is that off the table? No, I don't think that's off the table at all. Um, I just think that the position is pretty well solved at the moment for the type of tight end that most teams are looking for in today's NFL. Yeah. Right? The, the game-breaking receiving guy. I'll find a guy who can block. I'll find a sixth offensive lineman, man. I, you know, I'll, I'll, there are a lot of ways you can fill that hole. You know, and um, to do what Evan Ingram can do with the ball in his hands, to run away from safeties and linebackers over the middle of the field and being able to turn the corner and pick up first downs, to run tough after the catch, show good, show good blocking down the field. He did all those things that you're looking for from the modern receiving tight end. And, uh, sure. He's going to get rewarded from somebody. I hope it's here. <laughs> uh, all right, let's look at, Tone, I got a, a quintet of mock drafts for Mock Draft Monday. Okay. To take a peek at, and uh, so we'll look at some uh, different things going on in each of them. First, we'll start at the top with the quarterbacks on what's going down here, and it is interesting, you know, just to read the pundits. Nobody really knows here. You see a lot of folks suggesting that the NFL, by the time the combine and all these pro day workouts are over with, there are going to be more concerns about the size of Bryce Young. What is he going to shrink? Is he going to get smaller? I mean, we know he's not a big guy, right? And maybe it's just going to be if you see him out there. Next to Anthony Richardson, maybe you're going to go, damn, that's real small, right? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, why it would change all yeah. that much. Like, I don't think Kenny Pickett's hands became a bigger deal necessarily. at the It was like everyone knew Kenny knew Pickett's hands small are small. Hands. Yeah. Right. So, and then they got measured, and it's like, yeah, his hands are small. Yeah, oh, that's right. right. They are small. Right. Like, right. So, all right. And Pittsburgh still took him in the and, first round. Yeah, and you can debate the, you know. Whether or not they should or not. The but, wisdom of that selection. Yeah. If Bryce Young – was legit six two two ten. Is there any question who's going number one in this draft? I don't think so. I don't either. Right and and but he's not. He's listed at six foot one ninety four. They say he's going to get up. That he's going to hit that weight. Now I also saw some kind of meme or or joke or reference to that on social media about a week ago about how. Um, you know, he's going to have so much water sloshing around in his gut. He's going to be like, you know, like 70% water. I don't know. What what percent are we of water? We're a pretty high percent anyway. Yeah. Whatever it is, a higher percent. Yeah. Uh, they're just going to load him down, and then he's not going to run. He's not going to do any of these things, but he's going to go, look, I'm 197. Then he's going to go throw up a bunch of water <laughs> yeah. in the bathroom. I don't know what he's going to do, but to like C.J. Stroud at 6'3", 218. I think that – by the way, I think C.J. Stroud – particularly against Georgia, I was like, damn, mm -hmm. right? Like, woo, man, if you give me that guy on a consistent basis, I could get down with building my franchise around him. But the fact that he's 6'3", 218, or at least is listed as that, and is going to come in bigger, sturdier, uh, is the field than Bryce Young. That, to me, that's really the main thing he's got going for him in the argument. You know, uh, I look at Young's numbers. I like him better. Now, they're both surrounded by tons of NFL talent. No doubt. Uh, so it's hard to argue that much in terms of particularly skill position guys. Look what Ohio State puts out at wide receiver. I mean, they've got some absolutely phenomenal ones. But they go Bryce Young here with a trade-up with the Colts. Okay, Colts trade-up. This is CBS Ryan Wilson. C.J. Stroud at two. Um, 
Anthony Richardson going seven. You're starting to see this more frequently now. Him as the third quarterback. In some mocks, as the first quarterback, to be sure. And Will Levis going to the Bucks at eight after the Bucks trade up. That feels like consolation prize Jones right there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, right? Like, is anyone going to love Will Levis enough to trade in the top ten to get him? I don't know. Yeah. That's not a that's not an insignificant price to move up. I think they're at number 19 right now to jump up to number eight. That would probably entail at least one future first-round pick. Why do I feel – is Will Levis got some Blaine Gabbard on him? You know, just like a guy that looks the part, should be good because you expect him to be good because he looks the part. Then you look at the numbers and you're like, oh, that's what he did? You know, like I get it. Right. You're playing. Yeah. You're playing in the SEC. It's high level competition, but 19 touchdowns, 10 picks. Is that, you know, sure. I don't know. Uh, like I get it. He he's six three, two twenty, whatever he is, and and I'm sure he can make the throws. But why? Honestly, why would you take Will Levis over Anthony Richardson? What's the uh, his accuracy was better. Yes, it was. I mean, it was, and and Will Levis. By the way, it's not a guy praised for his accuracy, but it was significantly better statistically than Anthony Richardson. But man, that ceiling, man. I <laughs> who'd you rather have? Like if you're Atlanta. Oh, AR. Give me the right, yeah. give me the upside guy. Now, yeah. I don't know if I'm the Raiders and right. I feel like I'm close to being you're like in a window here. If I like if I got Rodgers, I'd be in that window. If you've got a quarterback, though, that can get like if the Raiders with the Rodgers route, first of all, they'd probably have to give up that pick, right? But if they mm-hmm. felt like they answered their quarterback situation in the short term, like if you sign Garoppolo, who's shown he can win a lot of football games on a with good supporting cast, I'd much then give me Richardson all day. Yeah. And, and with the expectation he's not going to play at all this year and maybe not be ready to go at the beginning of next year either. This is a long-term play that you're investing in. So, anyway, those, those are uh, where – or that's where uh, Ryan Wilson has the quarterbacks coming off the board in his latest mock draft. Uh, for the Jaguars, Michael Mayer, not a shock when you see him mock to the Jags. Mayer is more Gronk than Kelsey. That's not a bad thing. He won't test as well as some of the other more athletic tight ends in this class, but he does everything well. In Jacksonville, he could replace Evan Ingram if the team is unable to resign him after a career year. Here's what I don't get. I really I, – I, mm-hmm. this – confounds me with the mock drafts if they're trying to be as accurate as possible and I granted CBS rankings are not necessarily toe-to-toe with Ryan Wilson's step-by-step right like so sure he, but they list the CBS prospect rank of Michael Mayer and in this mock they list him as the 63rd best overall prospect so that's a late second round pick mm-hmm. in terms of value they list him as the fourth best tight end by their own rankings, and he's the first tight end off the board. I, I don't get that. Like, yeah. there's there's no sync up between the raw prospect evaluation and the projection. And I get it. If you if you hear something like such and such a team is enamored with this guy, mm-hmm. I understand why teams do that. I don't think anybody has that kind of intel right now. Not yet. No. Not before the combine. No. It doesn't seem that way. No. Anyway, all right, let me get one more in here, and we'll get a few more coming up in hour number two on Mock Draft Monday. Uh, Arif Hassan, who did he cover? Did he cover, um, was it the Vikings or the Cardinals? I think it was the Vikings. I think he covered the Vikings for uh, a while. He's now with 
Pro Football Network, and they're the ones who tease the hell out of me. They've got – how about this? Sign Chicago up for this right now. Mm. They've got Houston trading up to number one to take C.J. Stroud, right? And, and again, that's the thing. We're all sitting here going, well, why'd they do that? Bryce Young will push Stroud to two. We don't know that, mm-hmm. right? Then they're suggesting that teams are going to get scared off a little bit Yeah. when comparing – if you have, as they put it, two clear high-end quarterbacks, okay? Let's take the bigger, sturdier one, right? Well, Houston, in this scenario, would pay the second pick the 12th pick, and their second rounder next year Okay, to go up to one. That seems like a lot. It seems like a lot. And it seems like a lot in a year when you've got a number of quarterback options. Yeah, and look, one of those two quarterbacks that are considered at the top of the draft are still available, and Chicago still not in the market, right? right. So if there is another team there in that top five that's like, we got to go get our guy now. Right, so maybe they trade down again in that kind of scenario and get even more. But yeah, that's a really good trade for well, Chicago. Well, in this, they draft Will Anderson, okay, and then they draft Quinton Johnson to give Justin Fields his number one wide receiver, and they still have a second round pick next year. Yep, that seems like a pretty good. It's not bad return if you're not in the quarterback market, and that's what's being reported today by Adam Schefter, or at least double down on or however you want to look at it. Uh, I think most people at this point feel like it's more likely that they trade the number one pick, but he's saying that they are open for business with number one, that they've basically decided that trading the number one is more beneficial to them long-term than trading Justin Fields yeah. would be for this organization. So let me just rip through the quarterbacks real quick near the top here. Bryce Young falls to four in this scenario as Indy just sits there and watches him fall into their lap. And who knows, maybe they prefer C.J. Stroud, when it's all said and done. Um, Anthony Richardson goes nine to Carolina. And once again, the Bucks trading up to get Will Levis, but this time only to the 10th pick. Uh, this is the one that got me excited, Tony, as I scrolled down and I got to 24 and I saw the player before I realized the trade had been made. Bijan <laughs> Robinson running back Texas. I thought, aha, I'm not the only one who sees the possibilities here, but uh, they had the Jags uh, trading with Buffalo trading down a few spots and picking up some later draft capital. This is a three-round mock, so we'll t- take a break here, come back, let you know who uh, the folks over at Pro Football Network uh, think in that scenario the Jags might be interested in, as it is the silly season, to be sure. If you want to get in talking Jaguar football, 641-1010 in all its aspects. This is Jaguars Today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Jaguars Today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, hour two of Jaguars today on this Monday. It's Combine Week. We've got John Shipley from Jaguar Report joining us live tomorrow with Hayes Carline, hopefully later this week. I know the Frangie show is heading out to Mobile uh, to take in the festivities <laughs> out there. Indianapolis. Or Indianapolis, what did I say? Mobile, Mobile. for uh, the yeah. Senior Bowl, yes. Yeah. Indianapolis. Um, although not every coaching staff is oh, going yeah. uh, now, at least. Uh, what is it, Green Bay? I think is not going. I think I saw Green Bay. There may have been one other. Yeah, there's speculation that, you know, one of two things going to happen. Either other coaches are soon going to follow suit because, you know, unless you want to sit in on those 15-minute rapid-fire interviews mm-hmm. and, you know, generally your front office guys, your scouts, whatever, can handle that stuff. You can watch video of all of it yeah. at your leisure. They're saying, I can get more work done. Why not? Going there to 
you know, do yeah. a couple of press conferences, watching guys, you know, stand there with my stopwatch when I can get that time from anybody else. Not going to change whether I saw the 439 or I didn't see the 439. Yeah. And I think the more access that scouting departments across the league are going to get to kind of the next gen stuff in college football, right? Like those kind of stats when they can see on the field, this is what they run. Right, this is what they're doing on the field. Like the combine's going to become less and less of a thing uh, over the course of the next few years. But there's not a an overwhelming amount of that information out there yet. Right, Division One doesn't need all the schools don't even have that kind of technology that they're using yet with college football. But it'll happen sooner rather than later, where they're going to have more access to those kind of uh, things and the. An event like the Combine is going to be more about the players from schools where you don't have that access to that kind of information being invited to for, so that scouts can get a good look at those guys as opposed to what it is now. We need the best of the best in the draft. We need them there so that we can talk to them for the first time, all that kind of stuff. I think it's going to become more and more a small school Combine thing. Right. It's, well, it's going to either go that way or uh, it's been suggested the NFL will mandate the coaching staffs go to the Combine because yeah. uh, they're – you know, trying to make it this big deal, TV show performance, fill a big hole in the schedule, uh, and you know your inconvenience is not a big deal in the yeah large picture this for the NFL. This is where you work, right? So show up to work. Show up, and this is where we expect you to be. And yes, a lot of it's just PR and seeing all the coaches there, but that's kind of part of what the expectation has come to be. It's one of the signals that the off season is truly getting ramped up in a major way. So anyway, uh, Shipley, uh, Hayes Carline, uh, we got uh, Brad Meester coming up on Wednesday yeah. as uh, we go into the Wayback Machine once again. Not that long ago that Brad was toiling mm. for the Jags, but more games in a Jaguar uniform than any player in history. He will join us also uh, tomorrow. Doug Peterson and Trent Balky will be speaking in Indy, not Mobile. Uh, but <laughs> although through the miracle of uh, modern technology, they'll be speaking everywhere. You'll probably that they hear them in Mobile too. Yeah, you hear them everywhere, right? <laughs> I mean, we learned that like years ago. We used to go. Tony and I'd go to SEC media days, and we at one point we're like, "Why are we like racing to get our mic shoved in there mm. with fifty other people when all this is online? Yeah. within thirty minutes, yeah. you know, and didn't make a whole lot of sense. All right, uh, <laughs> so we'll get back to mock draft Monday. Uh, let's go to the lines here at six four one. 10-10 and see what's on Steve's mind. Steve, you're on Jaguars today. Good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, I just wanted to give uh, a smidge of draft talk, but uh, first I wanted to start with the Roy Robertson-Harris. Yeah. Or, Mike, you surprised me by not saying Roy Roberts, so you surprised me. On that. <laughs> Roy Roberts. Uh, yep. But, no, I, I like the idea because what you were talking about earlier about uh, leadership and everything, he started to show that later on. Mm -hmm. went in that run, if you watch the sounds of game and everything, which I thought was pretty cool. You just started to show that leadership. Now you get to spread some of that money out uh, long base. Uh, I, I really think it was a good idea to do that and not make another hole, like you guys said. Yeah. And the only the only thing about draft talk is, I mean, I know people have Michael Mayer, but I, I like Luke, uh, Luke Musgrave better than him. He's more athletic. But I see a lot of people uh, drafting Brian Branch the DB out of Alabama yep. for our first round, just because we need a slot corner, but he's played every DB position on the defense. So I just wanted to get your thoughts and opinions on that. All right. Well, we've talked about Brian Branch uh, particularly, Tony, and mm -hmm. if they're going to go the non, 
like pure corner route there. I I don't want to draft a defensive back that I'm going to sit on the bench for a year. Okay, no. with I really don't want to draft anybody. I'm going to sit on the bench for a year with the 24th pick. This team can win right now, and I want help right now. Uh, as much as I possibly can get. And the idea is, with Brian Branch, at worst, he's going to be your nickel corner. Yep. Come in, play 60% of the snaps, roughly. And as the season goes on, who knows, maybe force his way into some other packages. Uh, maybe have even more value than that with the idea that next year, and certainly by 2025, at the absolute latest, he's a full-time starter in the secondary, whether that's some hybrid of nickel and safety, or he's just one of your safeties, whatever the case may be. I do think that there's some intrigue to going out and uh, looking at a guy like that who's got the versatility to play as your slot cornerback. Yeah, I think if you were in a position where you felt like you could draft a corner that would be better on the outside and it forced Darius Williams inside. He didn't play so well in the slot at the beginning of last year. But if you got a player that you felt like was a long-term guy on the opposite side of Tyson Campbell, that's what he's going to come in and do from the moment he gets here and it pushes Williams inside. Okay, I can understand that being the direction you go. I, I do think the better idea is to have a player that you can draft that'll bleed, that'll be, that's our corner, our slot corner. Right from the moment you draft him, and he has some flexibility beyond that to play safety or something like that, so we can keep him on the field for more than just those snaps. Right, like I think that kind of direction with it makes a lot of sense to me, and that allows Darius Williams to still play his better position in the near future for the Jaguars on the outside. Now, if you are in a spot where your highest grade corner is a guy that's going to play on the outside. That means we got to figure out what we're going to do with Darius. Fine. Yes. You know, like I'm not against that, but I do think it makes a lot of sense if you get a guy that has that safety corner flexibility and can be your slot from the moment that you draft him. Like Branch is being talked about. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense for this. Well, look, team. to have a long term answer at one of the outside corner positions is just simply more valuable. Yeah. Than having a guy who okay can play the slot. That's great. Uh, that is not your base defense for one thing and oh, yeah. you know you're still are there dangerous slot receivers absolutely are there a lot more that line up wide uh I would say so you know and to have two guys like that that you could pair one to pair with Tyson Campbell uh for conceivably the long haul is pretty attractive well and I think you're if you're drafting a guy that is your typical outside corner you're probably going to be picking the fourth fifth best at that particular thing, that doesn't mean that they aren't still more valuable than a slot corner. They obviously are. But if you are talking about a guy that has that flexibility like a branch, you might be picking the best, right? Like you might be saying, okay, this is the best slot defending corner in this draft. Right. And he gives us safety flexibility. And he gives us that long-term, right. you know, uh, I guess financial flexibility as yeah. well. Like right? the outside corner is more valuable. But is the outside corner that's the fifth best in this draft more valuable than the best at a slot position that has that flexibility? That's where the debate comes in. Yeah, uh, looking at Rayshon Jenkins next year. uh, Look, it's kind of similar to this year, right? You could save $6.5 million by moving on from Rayshon Jenkins. I don't think they're moving on from Rayshon Jenkins at all. Um, I wonder if they'd consider an extension with him at all, which would be interesting as well. Mm-hmm. You know, he's only 29 years old, and he played very well last year, and his cap hit 
for the next two years is about ten and a half million bucks. Next year, the dead cap money drops to two million, and so you'd save eight point seven five million by moving on from Rayshon. Again, this is a scenario where you're going to have to make some hard decisions at some point, right. particularly if they want to give Trevor Lawrence that extension next year. We don't know that, right? You could pay. We're going to stretch out getting the value out of your rookie deal. There are a lot of ways that this can go. Do we want mm-hmm. to strike immediately because the numbers keep going up? Do we want to wait as long as possible to extend that window where we can really pour money into other positions? I'm sure they've got a plan. Uh, I'm sure they've got multiple contingencies from that plan, and I doubt they're going to tell us exactly what that is, other than we want Trevor Lawrence to be here for the long haul. Sure. And, of course, they do. And, I mean, that's number one priority over everything. So, um, yeah, Branch is an intriguing player at that spot. A uh, few on the text line here before we get back to Mock Draft Monday. I know you all seen Ridley putting in that work he posted over the weekend. Yeah. Yes, as much as you can get excited about something running around on a beach volleyball court barefoot, <laughs> I was very thrilled. Yeah. Uh, he, no, he does look like he's in good shape. And this is you know, just evidence that he's working out. Please don't blow an Achilles, okay, running around in the sand mm-hmm. in your bare feet. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I think it's what it is is showing you that Calvin Ridley is ready to roll. I mean, not I'm not saying he's ready to play a game today. I'm saying he is fully embracing ready to come back his to return, football. his yeah. potential return to the National Football League. So uh, excited about that. Uh, Derek Henry on the text line. Uh, Derek Henry needs to come home. He would make this offense unstoppable, him, him and Etienne in the backfield. Chances of that happening are less than zero, perhaps. <laughs> the Titans are going to trade you Derrick Henry. Right. And if they were willing to, you'd have to ask, what do they know is wrong with Derrick Henry yeah. that we don't know? I don't see that ever. Now, ever's a long time. Uh, I don't see that happening via a trade when he's under contract with no. the Tennessee Titans. Let's just put it that way. Uh, another one, if Ridley can be that number one, we can re-sign and we re-sign Ingram. We're looking great at the skill positions. If Ridley has the season, we hope, then that's another huge contract we'd have to consider. So I wouldn't be mad if they got a wide receiver if one fell to number 24. Look, I think they want to give Calvin Ridley an extension. Mm-hmm. I don't think that this was a let's go out there and stop gap it for one year with Calvin Ridley. Uh, I think No, this is taking a shot at getting a number one. Right. Let's let's take a shot at getting a number one and if we end up signing him to an extension, it's a second round pick that that next year's pick upgrades do fine. Yeah. Right. Look at what, you know, AJ Brown. I'm not saying he's AJ Brown at this relative stage of their career, but if he was, you'd be paying more than a second round pick or more than a potential mm-hmm. second round pick for the right to knock on that door. Uh, so I think they look at Calvin Ridley like if he look if he flames out, okay, he's only under contract for one year. Uh, if he balls out, I think uh, they're going to work to get something done and keep him around. And then you got Trevor Lawrence with Christian Kirk, Calvin Ridley, Zay Jones, perhaps Evan Ingram, and I'm also still not opposed to taking a wide receiver at 24 in that scenario because you don't know. Hey, what if he gets hurt? Right? What if he What if he doesn't play as well as you think? What if he prices himself out of your market, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, you mind, Calvin Ridley, I don't think Tony has ever gotten the big deal, right? This is his fifth-year option yep. season that he's playing on this year from his rookie contract because last year the contract told a year, uh, so he hasn't made that big money. So if the right guy, if Jackson Smith and Jigba or somebody else you love is there at 24 and they decide to go that way with the idea that we're not going to wait until the cupboard is bare, to keep the weaponry around Trevor Lawrence polished up, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Like, you know, some 
Oh, I just got done saying I want a guy who can contribute right away. I think if you take a wide receiver there, um, he probably does contribute to some degree, but you'd have a plan that he'd be a big part of what you're going to do going forward. Now, do I think it's likely they take a wide receiver in the first round? No, I don't, particularly because Ridley does fill that hole, at least for you in the short term, provided that you know, that is, that Ridley will get reinstated, which uh, we all anticipate being the case, but right. we don't have any control over that right now. Um, I think we got uh, most of those that just came in on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosure. So we'll jump back in to what Pro Football Network says about the Jags. Remember, uh, they were projecting the Jags to not take Bijan Robinson, but trade down three spots to allow the Bills to come up and get him. Who do they have the Jags taking with the 27th pick and with the additional third rounder as well that they pick up in that deal? We'll tell you when we come back on the other side on a mock draft Monday. Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, and E.T., you're listening to Jaguars today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Everything you need to know about the Jags. Jaguars today on 1010XL. i got to rip through a couple of these mocks here in a second, uh, Tone. Uh, we'll go around the league in a moment as well. Just a couple more coming in wanted to deal with here. One on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. I might have missed this, uh, but it feels like with every extension signed, we get a step further away from signing Ingram to an extension. Am I prioritizing him more in my mind than I should? No, I don't think you're prioritizing him more in your mind then you should, but I, I think if you're worried about like the Jamichael Hasty money and the C.J. Beathard money in terms of those extensions, mm-hmm. well, you have to have a backup quarterback. You have to have a number two running back. Those were spots that were going to get filled at some point by somebody, right? And these yeah. guys are probably as inexpensive and system fits and you're comfortable. C.J. Beathard gets along with Trevor Lawrence, knows that he's got no chance to ever start a football game as long well as Trevor Lawrence draws breath, right? And that's fine, and you like your quarterback room, and that's good. And I thought Hasty played very well for what they asked him to do. They don't ask the running backs to to touch it 35, 40 times a game, so he doesn't need to have this big workload. He's a competent pass protector, which is big, mm-hmm. and he's a good um, pass catching back. But more importantly, if you take the restructures together, I will bet you that whatever Roy Robertson's cap number was prior to his restructuring – you take that number on one side, you put his new cap number plus Beathard plus Hasty for this year, I bet they're about the same. Yeah. Right? I bet that absorbs those two guys coming back. And keep in mind, the restructure with Aluakin, um, not an extension, but a restructure opens up 10 plus million. Yeah. You've got other moves like that you can make. So I, I don't think, uh, I, in fact, the more restructures, the better when it comes to cap space or yeah. th- that's restructures. I know you're talking about extensions, but again, if you didn't bring back Hasty and Beathard, you're going to fill those holes somehow. Either you're going to have to draft somebody, you're going to have to go out and get some other veteran backup quarterback, and you're not going to be probably saving that much money, you know, one way or the other. No, yeah, I came out of this weekend thinking the Jags probably created for themselves, what, $11, $12 million in cap space? Maybe more. Right, um, with those with more moves four moves, yeah. right, and still a whole lot more to go, so... Do I think they're further away from doing anything? No. I think they're closer to doing what they want to do, which I don't I certainly didn't feel like coming out of this weekend that was a step away from bringing back Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram is no worse than their second priority this yeah. offseason, in my opinion. I mean, Juwan Taylor possibly uh, unbeknownst to us could be the number 1, right? Like they may feel differently about their tackle situation than we do, 
and how much money they want to allocate to it. But uh, at worst, even in that scenario, I think Evan Ingram's your number two priority. I think it's more likely that he's no, your number one. You know you got to have at least a minimum of about $11.5 million clear. Uh, you know the steps that are going to take to get you there. Right. There are more steps to come. So, no, I don't, I don't believe that. Uh, to be the case that it made it more unlikely, but appreciate the question from your boy Doom there, Tony. Oh, Mister uh, Mister Unlimited Characters. So if Tony, meaning you, was Atlanta, you'd rather have the upside guy, meaning Richardson, over Will Levis. But unless I'm mistaken, he thinks the Jags should have taken Hutchinson while Trayvon was definitely the higher upside guy. First of all, no, I, says, I said Thibodeau. Right, but you did. But first of all, who said he's definitely the higher upside guy? He is just an upside guy. Yeah. That's not to say Aiden Hutchinson doesn't have upside. No, yeah. Like, I mean, all Trayvon Walker had was upside because he didn't have production. Yeah. So, you know, you got one guy who's got production and potentially upside as well, and the other guy is just upside, whereas the quarterback position, Will Levis is like, yeah. It, like, if Anthony – like, if regardless of Trayvon Walker's in this draft or not, mm -hmm. Aiden Hutchinson was going to be a coveted draft pick last year. Yeah. Right? Regardless of Anthony Richards in this draft or not, I think a lot of people are going to look at Will Levis and go, ah, I just don't see it. I, you know, it's, so it's not like he's like a short thing, like he's going to be a top 20 starter. Right. There's yeah. no, that like, you felt like Aiden Hutchinson was not going to be a complete bust, right? Whereas I think Will Levis could be. And that the point being, if you're going to take two guys that could both bust, and Grant, anybody can bust. But if you're <laughs> going to, you know what I mean? Like, if you're going to take yeah. two guys that a lot of people think could bust, why not take the guy who's got, way more on the top end yeah and I think it depends on what position your team is in too it's not a static thing right like how much room for risk do you have on your roster and how much risk are you willing to tolerate at different positions because I do think you're willing to tol tolerate different levels of risk for a quarterback because if the ceiling is as high as it appears to be with a guy like Anthony Richardson then maybe you're going to have to be willing to tolerate more risk, right? Like, you can't be afraid of the risk if right. you're going to be the team that invests in a guy like Anthony Richardson. And I'm not against Atlanta being willing to take on that kind of risk for the ultimate payoff in that. I I would have taken Thibodeau, and then I would have taken Hutchinson, and then I would have maybe thought about taking Walker. Right, like, and, and again, it's just – and Duke said he was playing a little bit of devil's advocate, but I sure. do think – and you talk about the quarterback position. That's the thing. Like, if you you hit on the guy, hit on that upside, that makes up for so many other mistakes that you can right. make along the way. You know, e even if Aiden Hutchinson turns out to be T.J. Watt, that that's not enough. You know, as shown, how many Super Bowl championships T.J. Watt have, right? Yeah. So, And part of it, again, is those other two guys were coming in, you knew what position they played, and you draft Trayvon Walker, and now you have to assign him a position. Correct. Right. Like, and I didn't love the idea that on the surface of it, he was fine his rookie year. It was about what I expected uh, him to be his rookie year. We'll see if he takes a big jump forward in year two. All right. Let's go around the National Football League. Now, gems around the NFL, brought to you by Beaches Jewelry and Pawn in Jack's Beach. The Denver Broncos are hiring Joe Lombardi as their new offensive coordinator. Lombardi has previously worked with Broncos' new head coach, Sean Pete. 
Payton, that's the Saints quarterback coach from 2007 to 2013. Then again, from 2016 to 2020, Lombardi has spent the last two years as the OC for the LA Chargers. The Kansas City Chiefs are promoting quarterbacks coach Matt Nagy to be their offensive coordinator. Nagy was the Chiefs OC for two years in 2016 and 17 before being hired as the head coach for the Chicago Bears. He returned to Kansas City in the quarterbacks coach role last season. Tom Pelissero reported on Friday that the L.A. Rams have had trade talks with teams regarding cornerback Jalen Ramsey, so we'll see if anything comes down with that soon. The Green Bay Packers have restructured the contracts of outside linebacker Preston Smith and corner Jair Alexander to create $16.124 million in cap space, and Miami Dolphins cornerback Byron Jones did not play last season because of an Achilles injury. Jones essentially kind of sounded like he was announcing his retirement on Twitter this weekend, saying, quote, Today I can't run or jump because of my injury sustained playing this game. Do not take the pills they give you. Do not take the injections they give you. If you absolutely must, consult an outside doctor to learn the long-term implications. It was an honor and privilege to play in the NFL, but it came at a regrettable cost I did not foresee. In my opinion, no amount of professional success or financial gain is worth avoidable chronic pain and disabilities. Godspeed to the draft class of 2023, end quote. Despite that sounding like a retirement announcement, Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald reported yesterday that Jones fully expects to be cut by the Miami Dolphins, but that he is not retiring yet. Yeah, and that may be like a technical deal. I haven't uh, taken a – let me take a look at his contract right now. Like, you know, what would he have to pay back if he retired – you take that signing bonus, uh, he might be on the hook for $4.2 million to sure. pay back. So, yeah, I'm not retiring. Also can't play. What are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do, pay me 13 and a half? Or right, are you going to cut yeah. me? Because if you cut me, then I'll have to pay back that signing bonus money. So, uh, that was absolutely uh, – I mean, he used a lot of past tense verbiage in there. He did. It seemed like he was done. All right, here we go. Uh, just looking at uh, catching up on these little mock drafts on Mock Draft Monday – Pro Football Network told you the Jags in this one trade down from 24 to 27. Take Antonio Johnson, safety, Texas A&M, Tony. Uh, as they describe him, a large safety with length and power, best suited for the box, uh, but has succeeded in man coverage and as a slot defender. You also got to consider, you know, in the next few years, if you're going to beat the teams in the AFC, that includes the Kansas City Chiefs and Travis Kelsey. You can cover tight ends, mm-hmm. right? That could be an added value I mean, when you look at how many catches Kelsey had in the postseason versus the Jags. So uh, immediately, though, don't love that one uh, as much. Uh, kind of like Brian Branch a little bit more there if they're going to go safety, but that's the way they go. And it's made up for by the fact that they get Deontay Banks, the corner out of Maryland, mm-hmm. at the 56 pick. You see him mock to the Jags in the first round sometimes. And that's the thing about some of these. You know, people will send in, they go to the mockdraftgenerator.com, whatever, you know, and they're like, yeah. hey, look who I got for the Jags. And you'll see a guy who everybody has mocked as like a top 40 player in the fifth round. And you're like, yeah, that's that's wonderful. Um, <laughs> that's not going to happen. Uh, so uh, I would be happy with Deontay Banks in the middle of round two. Sure. That would be pretty good based on what we know about him right now. Uh, Then the Jags pick up an extra third-round pick because of this um, hypothetical trade. With their original third-rounder, they take Sam Laporta, a tight end out of Iowa, which is a pretty good Mm -hmm. uh, university track record for producing tight ends, and then take Parker Washington, wide receiver out of Penn State. So 
the the move down of three spots enabled them to move up in this uh, hypothetical scenario from 121 to 91, which is not a bad mm-hmm. haul, right? If you feel like you're sitting there at 24 and, you know, you maybe you as they put it, you missed out on the cornerback run of the guys who are the primo first-rounders, although sure. Deontay Banks, like I said, gets mocked to them. In fact, the very next mock I'm looking at, the draftnetwork.com, Deontay Banks to the Minnesota Vikings, one pick before Jacksonville's first rounder, Mm. right? So you're going to see varying kind of rankings on these positions. In that mock, uh, the Jags took Clark Phillips III, Tony. First time I've seen him mocked with Clark Phillips III. Any clue who Clark Phillips III is? Nope. Cornerback of Utah. uh, Let's see. This offense will be even better. Improving the pass coverage can make a sizable difference next season. Clark Phillips III He's one of the most opportunistic cornerbacks in this class, competes at a high level, and has the ball skills to make quarterbacks pay for testing him too often. That's one pick ahead of a projection of Cam Smith out of South Carolina going to the Giants, who you see mocked in the first round a lot. That doesn't mean it would be wrong, right? We're going to hear a bunch of names, and people are going to say, well, he's not a first-rounder. Well, that's because the media are telling you, including media that we bring on. Like Tony Pauline will tell you, I wouldn't take Anthony Richardson in the first three rounds. I take this guy. This guy's a top 40. That's his opinion. That doesn't mean that's what the NFL is going to do, and it doesn't mean that's the opinion of Trent Baalke and the front office of the Jags. Uh, One more at DraftWire. That's the USA Today site. Uh, Let's see what they've got the Jags doing here as I scroll down. Bryce Young went number one overall there. Uh, And this one is Jaguar. Uh, the Jaguars select Maryland cornerback Deontay Banks in the first round. So, again, uh, based on where the majority of projections have him going, somewhere in that 20 to 30 range, uh, if you could get Deontay Banks it would see, in the second round, it would seem like kind of a steal. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's part of it too. It's not just what you did with that first pick. Right? Oh, they needed a corner. Well, maybe they'll find a corner value that they like in round three. Maybe we'll find one in round four that can come in. I mean, the the Chiefs were starting guys that got drafted really late last year on a Super Bowl championship squad. Yes, so, they were. You know, just got to do a good job identifying that talent, going out there and getting it. All right, we'll come back uh, today and take a look at the Chad and Sandy real estate question of the day here. And we asked you today, what is your reaction to the Jags agreeing to contract extensions with defensive lineman Roy Robertson-Harris and running back Jamichael Hasty, We'll take a look at your responses when we return in a moment. This is Jaguars Today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Now more Jaguars Today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, uh, we'll hit the 1010 take here in a moment, give you our thoughts uh, officially on the machinations the Jags have done over the weekend with the contract extensions for a couple of guys bringing C.J. Beathard back and, of course, uh, Foye Lewican restructuring his deal, opening up some cap space. Won't be the last. I don't think you'll hear. Although, you know, with the, 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 the brain trust going to Indianapolis, maybe we won't have many announcements this week. I think we'll have plenty more uh, before the middle of next week, though, mm-hmm. Tone. Before the league year opens up, they still have more cap space to create for themselves just to get to even, and I have no doubt that they've got a plan to get there, and these were just the kind of the opening salvo as far as that went. Uh, one on the text line said, I'd love for the Jags land. Uh, is it Devin Achain out of Texas A&M? Is that how you say the running back's name? 
Okay, it's it's like arcane, but yeah. there's no R. Yeah. Okay. Not sure. Said Bijan Robin. What is it? A chain? Yeah, A chain. A chain. Okay. Uh, Devon A chain. Uh, it says Bijan Robinson likely to be gone by 24. Devon literally the same fit in Doug's offense and is just as dynamic. And you know, I just don't think it's a high priority right now. I, I think mm-hmm. honestly that may be their move. They brought back Hasty. They may bring in another camp body or two, but wouldn't surprise me at all if they don't draft a running back. Period. You know, no, and, yeah. and, and this texter goes on to say, um, if a permanent future number two running back behind ETN is a goal, I hope they don't go past round three to get him. I don't think that is a goal. I don't either. I, I think that, that there's no permanent whatever. We need a backup running back. If Hasty, you know, decided to retire from football this year, right, hit the Powerball, right, and doesn't want to play anymore, I think they'll just go out and sign another Jamichael Hasty level I running back next yeah. year. At least until, you know, you get to the point where you have to decide – we want Travis Etienne back, you know, because you've got two more years plus the fifth-year option before you get into the big money. And quite frankly, you know, at, at that point, you know, going into uh, his fifth-year option year, you want to draft one that year or even want to wait until after that. I don't hate – yeah, yeah. You, uh, you can get a plug-and-play running back, Look, I think, I'm, if that's your priority. Yeah, I'm not saying that if Bichon was available at 24, depending on what else is there, that it wouldn't give me pause. Sure, right? I like even in this draft. But if you ask me right now, I would be surprised if the Jags get another running back in free agency or draft a, a running back before the third day of the NFL. Grant, draft. And, and I think this, like the the idea of drafting an elite talent like that, and maybe they don't feel like he's as elite as some other pundits do, but sure. Is the idea my that, feeling that he could be elite gives me pause at twenty four, despite it not being a big well, need. That, and that's to me as well because so many people have him ranked as a top eight ish right. player overall. And right. regardless of position, you say, well, the position devalues him. Certainly, it does. But how much? That's why he'd be available at twenty four. Right. The idea, yeah. oh, the Bills might trade up in one yeah. of those mocks. Like somebody could take. That's kind of the range where you'd be comfortable. Like, all right, we're a playoff team. This guy maybe pushes us over the top, and I understand, you know, the whole debate. Well, you've got ETN and all this. I, I think by bringing Hasty back, they're signaling to ETN, Hasty backing him up. If it's Snoop Connor, so be it. If it's somebody else as the third running back, mm-hmm. so be it. That's what we're rolling with. We're not. We're not a team that runs the ball thirty-five times. We're just not going to do that. So we don't need to have this um, kind of stacked up like that. And like, if you got to the point where. Like, you let Travis Etienne play out his rookie deal and you went into the next offseason without a running back? Okay, mm-hmm. so go find one in the draft. Right, it's yeah. gonna go Then you got to make sure you nail the right one. Maybe draft two of them. Maybe take one in the third, one in the fifth, and, you know, hopefully you hit with a guy you feel more confident in than Stoop Connor, who you only gave the ball to like 12 times last year. But if their own draft pick from last year got the ball less than 20 times, mm-hmm. why are they going to turn around and go draft another one? To do what? Not give him the ball? Right, yeah. I, mean, I don't know if the touches are there. I think the calculus changes if you have a superstar talent. Because to me, the only reason you would take B. John Robinson is to say he's an upgrade from what you have. You don't say, well, he's pretty good, but we got ETN and we'll let it figure itself out. Um, so I'm not suggesting – look, I don't think it's likely at all. No. Well, like you said, because of how he is ranked by some, I think it's got to give you a little bit of pause. All right, let's give you our 10-10 take. 
a 3-4 defensive end, which is not the easiest position to find. By the way, we looked at it last week, Tony. Not a lot of depth on the defensive line right now for this football team. No. Jeremiah Ledbetter is the only backup you've got behind Roy Robertson-Harris, Devon Hamilton, and Foley Fatakasi. So uh, what it says to me is they've got a plan. Now they're starting to execute it. They know where they need to get to cap-wise to not only just get to being legal, but get to where they can make the moves that they really want to make. This other stuff is house cleaning that's going to get done at some point regardless. Uh, so don't worry about the day-to-day, -day, oh, did they add to the cap? Did they subtract from it? They've got a plan. They've got it laid out on a board somewhere inside TIA Bank Field, and it says we're going to make this move, this move, this move. This is how much salary cap space we're going to gain in each of these moves. It's not like they they just woke up the week of the combine and realized they got to get this work done. No, look, it was uh, it's fun to see the off season start. Yes, right for the right. Jags, and that's what this weekend felt like. We all had questions about what they were going to decide to do with Roy Robertson Harris with all options on the table. They told you, right? They told you how they feel about Roy Robertson Harris and how they feel about the opportunity to replace him to some degree in free agency and the draft. Uh, this year as well, given that they're drafting at 24, they didn't. I think they're telling you they don't feel like it's easy to find a guy that can do what Roy Robertson Harrison can do, right? Um, at that point in the draft, either. I'm curious to see how much of a priority they put on Arden Key because of that same kind of conversation. There just aren't a whole lot of options out there mm -hmm. um, in free agency, and we'll see. There may be – look, you got more than the first round of the draft. So it's not like it's only about number 24. You're going to have all the picks that you have uh, in the upcoming draft. But I think it makes it more likely to me coming out of this weekend, and I already felt like it was very likely that corner was probably the top of the list for me as far as what I expect them to do at number 24. And coming out of the weekend, I feel even more sure of that. And – Again, I'm curious to see how much of a priority they put on bringing back Arden Key, given how limited the options are going to be in free agency to get better at that spot and how limited the options are going to be to get better at that spot at number 24 in the draft. All right, a couple of quick reactions on uh, Twitter. Most of them like, hey, we get it. They're making moves. They seem reasonable. Nothing crazy here. Freeing up cap space, executing the plan. And a lot of those themes. Uh, Ryan said, I was balky, no pun intended, huh. about Roy Robertson Harris and surprised that Hasty thought we would sneak in and take a running back in round three or four. Well, you could do that. Or you could just sign a guy that you know can fit the role that you're asking. Now, he's going to be a little bit more expensive. But again, as Trent Balky said, we're not worried about the cap. We're worried about the cash, right? And we got the owners flush with that. Yep. So if we don't need to worry about the cash, you don't need to worry about us having a plan where we can fit everybody in. That's mm -hmm. basically what he's telling you. And so, yeah, you could take one in round three or round four. Well, you took one in round five last year. It didn't work out so well. This guy you know fits what you're asking him to do. Yep. And he's not costing very much by NFL standards, right? So, you know, you're going with ETN. If Hasty needs to play, like I feel like if, if Hasty needs to fill in for a month, this team would be okay. They 
might not have as much breakaway speed. He's got some speed as well. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I think I think it's a solid move for them. It it doesn't move the needle, but it doesn't. You know, it just it kind of plugs a hole without tapping deep into your your cap space, and it doesn't create another hole by saying we're going to move on and yeah. now we've got to allocate one of these draft picks to that position. So you know, just think it's a generally just a, a pretty wise move all the way around. Um, you know, nothing. It's like Jermichael Hasty coming back is not going to make you do backflips, but you know, it's just it's one of those solid football moves that. You know, we get excited about the big ticket items, Evan Ingram, and on and on yeah. and on. Um, those will come. Yeah, the roster of ninety isn't all going to be backflip move guys. All right, by the way, you have Twitter up at the moment. I do. All right, look at my question of the day tweet, the Chad and Sandy real estate question of the day. By the way, Chad and Sandy real estate, multiple offers on your home in three days, or they'll sell it for free. Check them out at chadandsandy.com. What do you, What do you notice from that tweet? Anything stand out to you? Hmm. You'd know it right away if you know what I'm talking about here. Roy Robertson-Harris's picture is what? It's blurry. It is blurry. Jermichael Hastie's looks crisp yeah. and sharp What's as anything. What's the deal with that? Don't know. <laughs> Don't freaking know, Twitter. Okay, I've, I've messed with the settings. I've gone to YouTube tutorials, how to post high-def pictures, all these things. Everything I try, it's just like random crapshoot every mm-hmm. day. So, you know, I can... Post high def pictures. Just look at the Jamichael Hasty one. Cover yeah. the other one, and look at the Jamichael Hasty photo. That is sharp. <laughs> Let's say hello to XL Prime Time. Now the two minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet, keeping 1010XL on track with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. All right, Joe C is in the house. Hello, Joseph. How What's are happening? you? What's happening? What's happening? Well, the Jags are starting to make some it's nice moves. Yeah. Yes, and I think this is uh, Shad says. What's the amount? Uh, who do I make it payable to? Yeah, I don't think he cares. Yeah. Quite frankly, I don't it, even think I have to ask. Like. It, Yep. And it, it, it's basically the idea Leon talks about all the time. Upfront money, make me happy. And I'm willing to help uh, wherever you need it as long as you help me with some of that cash coming my way. And so I, I like hearing it. I think it's, you know, Hayes Carline, I know you guys visited with him. Remember he kind of mapped out all the contracts that can be restructured that would make the most sense to – because you still have to field a pretty good team. You can't just go out and say, hey, well, that's we're not renewing thing. these contracts. Right. With Roy, you could have saved more by letting him go, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. But then who's playing that spot? Right. And that that's part of the equation. And, yeah. okay, we could draft a guy. Okay, you could say that. You can continue to say that. Chances are, once you get outside the first three rounds, you're not going to be able to count on those guys coming in making major contributions right, right away. And right. So you got three picks. And so, uh, yeah, I, mean, I know you guys have gone through this, but you basically have about a dozen guys that you've got to make crucial decisions on that are up for free agency or have to be restructured to keep them around. And so you've got, you've got a good core, good nucleus. You need to keep as much of it as you possibly can. You're yeah. going to have to say goodbye to a few of these guys. Well, uh, a few. Yeah. I think Juwan Taylor being the one just yeah. because of the economics of the position right. and, and all that. Um, at least that's what we presume. We and don't they know. drafted a replacement. I mean, look, the, the Foye Lewican thing, we knew he was a, a candidate to restructure, but mm-hmm. immediately you're like, wow, that's $10.5 million in cap space yeah. pretty nice. quickly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Move on from Shaq Griffin. There's another massive chunk. And yeah. before you know it, you're already under the cap. I, I don't, right. I, look, they've got it all mapped out. Mm hmm. We're just not privy to the map. Exactly. You know, exactly. so. 
Uh, not going to worry I, I, about it. Yeah, I, I like it. Uh, that's what you want to see because it's it's paving the way for Evan Ingram to, to get a new deal. They'll make a decision on whether they're going to tag you one or not, but they have their, their draft pick and Walker Little that they certainly can put there. All right, uh, Joey, what do you have coming up today? We'll be doing Jags. Uh, players talk. We're a week out. Uh, we're going to talk a little college football. Spring games are cranking up left and right. And how about this? On our show, someone proposed and someone said yes. Oh. So we will talk about that oh. coming up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Some Someone on your show Was is newly engaged. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes, yes. Right, congratulations, Leon. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I have no idea. I have no idea. Uh, all right, Joe, have a great show. Thank you. Coming up, uh, there you go. Uh, Joe C., uh, coming in the door in just a few minutes. Somebody mentioned they did. Uh, the Jags did sign Cadre Olison. They did, mm -hmm. like a reserve futures contract. So he is another vet, but like if there's another running back in the competition, that's the kind of guy I'm yeah. expecting. Guy who's like a uh, league minimum veteran, been around, we like something particular about his skill set that we think fills this hole in our vision for yeah. how the running back room should and look. And he plays special teams unlike yeah. the guy you drafted last year. Correct. Which, you know, so uh, could it be a, a competition? Like, you're likely only keeping three yeah. on this football team because this is not a running back-centric offense. So uh, you're probably already got a great chance that you've already got your opening day trio of running backs under contract for the mm -hmm. Jags, whether that's Olison, whether that's Snoop Connor, but I like think Etienne and Hasty overwhelmingly likely to be your one and two. Uh, yep. At this point in time, and I don't think that's any kind of breaking news. But it was fun uh, to see a little bevy of Jaguar news over the weekend. So I anticipate more coming up again. Combine getting underway this week in Indianapolis. Uh, we will have John Shipley joining us tomorrow. Doug Peterson and Trent Balky will both speak tomorrow. I would assume they'll be carried live on XL Primetime because it will fall after noon, and we'll bring you all that audio and analysis from that. Uh, coming up as the week plays out here on Jaguars today. That'll do it for us. For Tony Smith and ET, I'm Mike Dempsey. Appreciate you listening. XL Primetime is next on 1010XL and 92.5 FM.